message, part number seven, Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, that the Shalakim, the called out ones, chapter 20, Acts chapter 20. And let us begin in verse one. And after the fervor had died, Shaul sent for his Talmudim and encouraged them. Then he took his leave and set out his way to Macedonia. He went through the, that area, and after saying much to encourage them, he passed on to Greece, where he spent three months as he was preparing to set sail for Syria. He discovered a plot against him by unbelieving Jews. So he changed his mind and decided to return by the way of Macedonia. All of us have maps in our Bibles, and it's great to follow these different places. Now going on with verse number four of Acts chapter 20. So Pather from Berea, the son of Phyrus, accompanied him, as did Anastarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychus, and Trimithius from the province of Asia. These men went on and waited for us in Troas. While we sailed from Philippi, after the days of matzah, celebrating Passover, five days later, we met them in Troas, where we spent a week. On matzah a Shabbat, when we gathered to break bread, Shaul addressed them, since he was going to leave the next day. He kept talking until midnight. Now there were many oil lamps burning in the upstairs room where they were meeting. And there was a young fellow named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill. As Shaul's drash, his teaching, his sermon, went on and on, Eutychus grew sleepier and sleepier until finally he went sound asleep and he fell from the third story to the ground where they picked him up and he was dead. But Shaul went down and threw himself onto him. And he put his arms around him and said, don't be upset, he's alive. Then they went back upstairs and broke the bread and ate. He continued talking with them until daylight. Then he left. So greatly relieved that they brought the boy home alive. And so we'll stop right there just for a moment. Because now we're going to go a little bit deeper in this portion of scripture here. So now let us focus here in verse 8. Now they were there were many lamps burning in the upstairs room where they're meeting. See, they're not meeting in the synagogue that evening. They're meeting in someone's home. Continue in verse 9. And there was a young man named Eutychus. You know what his name means? Fortunate one. Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill, and as Shaul's drash, and drash is a drash or drashot, which is a sermon, a teaching, or a Bible study. See, he was preparing them in that this would be the last time that most likely he's ever going to see these individuals again. And so he wanted to re-educate them on God's promises, God's word. And he was not, as he was referring to, 
He was not referring to Matthew through Revelation because these books have not had not been written yet. But he's referring to his reference to the scriptures is the Tanakh. So going forward here in verse number nine, after Shaul's drosh, his teaching went on and on. Eutychus grew sleepier and sleepier until finally he went sound asleep and fell from the third story to the ground where they picked him up and he was dead. And so there it speaks of many lamps burning. It was dark. See, they did not have electricity at that time. Electricity had not been invented. And so that room, and have you ever had been a room with kerosene lamps or even a candle lit room? There'll be a certain amount of smoke and it gets very, very stuffy, right? But, and it also doesn't tell us how many people were here in this room. There could have been 30, 40, or more. And we don't know that. The scripture doesn't focus on that. And so as this room became more smokier and stuffier, it was depleted of oxygen. Most likely Eutychus was sitting on a window so he could get some fresh air, so he get a little bit of breather. Because if you've ever been in those types of conditions where there's a lot of smoke going on, some of us have fireplaces in our homes. I remember when I pastored a congregation in Elba Lake, the parsonage there actually had a very, very large fireplace. And if I did not open the one portion of the chimney wide enough, if, because when it got cold and when we weren't burning a fire, we always had to close that one area. Otherwise, the cold air would come right down to the chimney, and all of a sudden, Jackie would say to me, where's that cold draft coming from? And of course, that's what I didn't do. I didn't close the draft. But there were other times we invite members of the congregation over, and it was a large family room in that parsonage, and then we would start a fire there in the fireplace in the warmer months, of course. And But if I didn't remember to open up the draft wide open, then the room would start filling in smoke. And so that was always a reminder to me to make sure I followed what I needed to do. And so with Eutychus here, appears to want to have more air. But unfortunately, it still didn't keep him from going sound asleep and falling to his death. So now let us go back to Acts chapter 10, verse 10, as we continue. But Shaul went down and he threw himself onto him. And he put his arms around him and said, don't be upset. He's alive. And then going on with verse 11. Then he went back upstairs and broke bread and they ate together. He continued talking with them until daylight and then left. So greatly relieved everyone was. Because you imagine someone falling out of a window, how tragic that would have been, and then dying in the midst of that celebration and that service going forward here. Then he went back upstairs and broke bread, and they ate together. He continued talking with them until when? Until daylight, and then he left on his journey. Where is he going? He's going back to the land of Israel to celebrate what? Shabbat Pentecost. And so that was his heart's desire to celebrate Pentecost, Shabbat, in the land of Israel. So going forward here in verse 12, so greatly relieved they all were that they brought the boy home alive. And so going forward here, 
he went on ahead to a ship and set fail, sail for Azos. Can you find that on your maps there as he's traveling? Let's go forward here. Where we were planning to plan to take Shaul abroad. He had arranged this because he wanted to go there by land. Now, a little, going a little bit deeper here in Acts chapter 20, verse 10. We have a comparison scripture here. Now, let us turn back as we see another apostle, a Shelachim, a called out one. His name is Kepha. Let's now turn back to the scripture here. This is Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And we're looking at verse number 35. So we see here that, that uh, Rav Shaul, on occasion, was not equipped with the empowerment by the Ruach HaKodesh, the power to raise someone from the dead. And so here we are in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to begin here in verse number 35. Everyone living in Bud and the Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now in Yopha, Yafo, there was a Talmudin named Tabitha. In some translation, her name is Tabitha which means gazelle. She always was doing other good deeds, acts of righteousness. It happened that just at the time she took sick and died. And after washing her, they laid her in the room upstairs. Lud is near Yafo, and the Talmudim had heard that Kepha, who is Peter, was there. So they sent two men to him and urged him, please come to us without delay. And Kepha Peter got up, and he went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the upstairs room. All the windows, all the widows stood by him and were sobbing and showing all the dresses and the coats that Tabitha had made for them while she was still with them. But Kepha Peter put them all outside, and he simply kneeled down and he prayed. And then turning... To the body, he said to Tabitha, get up. She opened up her eyes, and on seeing Kepha Peter, she sat up. And he ordered her, and he offered her his hand and helped her to her feet. Then calling the believers and the widows, he presented her to them alive. This became known all over Yafo, and many people put their trust in the Lord. Kepha stayed on at Yafo for some time with a man named Shimon, a leather tanner. And some of us may be familiar that well over a year ago, I taught from this one specific passage. Notice this, that Kepha does not bring the attention to himself. And also, people put their trust in who? But Yeshua. Because Kepha was all about Yeshua and exalting his name and presenting the power and authority that was given in Yeshua's name. You notice there's two different things here where, where, where uh, Rav Shaul, he simply went down, he examined, he just laid down on the body. He didn't, it's not recorded any prayer that he uttered. 
See, the spirit of living God at times does things differently. But the result was the same. Now, were these two individuals, had they died for, for, for a long time? No. In the uh, case of Eutychus, it was just a few moments. And as uh, for this uh, young woman, Tabitha, the scripture doesn't record how many days it was that, that she had died, but it's just a short time. There are yet other examples, and now we need to look at these. This is Yeshua's own. Where, and let's now, now turn to John, the Gospel of John. And we're going to read here the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. See, the Yeshua promised them the things that you see me do, and he's speaking directly to those who are called the Shalakim, the apostles, these sent ones. These same things that you see me do, you shall do also. But it's always to magnify the Father through the Son by the power and the equipping of the Spirit of the living God. So now, if you're already there in uh, now John, the Gospel of John, and we're looking at verse number 17. And I need to back up here a little bit. I wrote down the, the wrong uh, scripture verse here. It's verse number one. I apologize. There was a man who had fallen sick, and his name was Eleazar. In a lot of our translations, they translate him as being Lazarus. And he came from the which is Bethany, the village where Miriam and her sister Martha, Martha in most translation, lived. This Miriam, whose brother Eleazar had become sick, and is one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent a message to Yeshua, Lord, the man you love is sick. On hearing it, he said, this sickness will not end in his death. No, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may receive the glory through it. Notice that. Yeshua got this revelation from the Father, that this was going to glorify the Father and establish Yeshua for who he is in the eyes of the people, the nation of Israel. Let's go forward here. Yeshua loved Mar Marta and her sister and Eleazar. So when he heard he was sick, first he stayed there where he was two more days. Then after this, he said to the Talmudim, let us go back to Yehuda, to Judah. And the Talmudim replied, Rabbi, just a short while ago, the Judeans were out to stone you. And you want to go back there? Yeshua answered, aren't there 12 hours of daylight? If a person walks during the daylight, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if a person walks at night, he does not stumble because he has no light with him. Yeshua said these things afterwards. He said to the Talmudim, our friend Eleazar, Lazarus, has gone to sleep but I'm going in order to wake him up. Notice these same words were shared prior, going forward. The Talmudim said to him, Lord, if he has gone to sleep, he will get better. Now Yeshua had used the phrase to speak about 
Eleazar's Lazarus's death. But they thought that he had been talking literally about sleep. So Yeshua told them in plain language, Eleazar has died. See, Yeshua, being all-knowing, knew exactly what was happening. And as we walk in God's provision and fulfill his commands, the work that he's established for us to do, he will give us his insights on what is really taking place. Let's go forward here. Verse 15, and for your sakes, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may come to trust, but let us go to him. Then Timon, Timona, which means twin, most of your translations, the name is Thomas, said to his fellow Talmudim, yes, we should go so that we can die with him. Remember what was going on? There were Judeans there that wanted to stone Yeshua. So let us go forward here. Verse 17, on arrival, Yeshua found that Eleazar, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for what? For four days. Notice that's different from Eutychus, who just simply fell from the window and died. That was just a few moments. And with Tabitha, Tabitha, it was maybe a day or more. But the scripture doesn't give us that clarification. This is significance. What happens to a body after it dies, after four days? What immediately happens, especially in an area where it's very, very warm, very hot climate, dry climate, the body begins to decay and break down. But Yeshua said to them, he's simply fallen asleep. But then later he says to them, actually, he's died. So he's preparing the Talmudi because what Yeshua is about to do has never been recorded in the Tanakh. Because remember, Matthew through Revelation has not been written yet while Yeshua is now here on earth. And so the reference to scripture is the Tanakh. No one who has been dead up to four days has ever been brought back to life. Let's go forward here. On a revival, verse 17, Yeshua found that Eleazar, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Beit Yan, which is Bethany, was about two miles from Jerusalem. And many of the Judeans had come to Martha and Miriam in order to comfort them at the loss of their brother. So technically, this would be the fourth day of sitting Shiva, all right, to give it in the proper context in the Jewish mindset. Let's go forward here. Verse 19, and many of the Judeans had come to Martha and Miriam in order to comfort them at the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Yeshua was coming, she went out to meet him. But Miriam continued sitting, Shiva, in the house. See, that's what is recorded in the complete Jewish Bible. Shiva, sitting Shiva. Going forward here. Martha said to Yeshua, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. See, because they had seen him and heard of many occasions where he healed the sick. 
he touched the leper and he healed those individuals. Let's go forward here. Even, verse 22, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. What is she saying here? She's just approaching him just as Miriam, his own mother, did. Remember the very, very first miracle that Yeshua ever uh, manifested? Was a marriage celebration in Cana where he turned the water into wine. And Yeshua was constantly doing things that no prophet of God in the Tanakh had ever done before. And so she's putting her trust in Yeshua. And let's hear her words one, one more time. Verse 22. Even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Well, how did Yeshua respond? Verse 23. Yeshua said to her, your brother will rise again. Now what does she say? She now says in verse 24, Martha, Martha said, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. You see, we Jews believe, according to the Tanakh, that there will be a resurrection of all those who are currently sleeping in the graves. That's great significance. Let's move forward here. Verse 25, Yeshua said to her, I am. Notice those two words, I am. Who referred to himself as I am in the Tanakh? But God himself. Going forward here. I am the what? The resurrection and the life. Literally, Yeshua is the resurrection and the life. Let's go forward here. Whoever puts his trust in me will what? Will live. And even if he dies, and everyone living and trusting in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, he's now drawing out of her, her trust, even further. And says, gives this directly to her. He's not speaking. The Talmudim, his, his 12 disciples are standing there. He's not pressing them, but he's pressing her. Because she has seen and she's heard Yeshua manifest the glory of the Father on this earth. For he is representation of God the Father in human flesh. But being God and man, one. Let's go forward here. Verse 25, we got to hear it one more time. Yeshua said to her, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever puts his trust in me will live, even if he dies. And what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say as they're about to be thrown into that fiery furnace? And King Nebuchadnezzar was watching there. If we perish, we perish. But we will honor the Lord. We will honor Adonai with our last moments of our lives. Let's go forward here. Verse 23, and everyone living and trusting in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are what? The Messiah, 
That's her testimony. How quickly we read over those words and dismiss it. But this is a great significance. She's putting her full trust in Yeshua being the promised Mashiach, the Messiah. Let's go forward here. The Son of God, the one coming into the world. After saying this, she went off secretly and called Miriam her sister. Rabbi is here, and he's calling for you. And when she heard this, she jumped up and she went to him. And Yeshua had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha, Martha had met him. So when the Judeans who had been with Miriam in the house comforting her saw her get up quickly and go out, they followed her, thinking that she's going to the tomb to mourn there. When Miriam came to where Yeshua was, they saw him. And she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. The same testimony that her sister had given. Let's go forward here. Verse 33. When Yeshua saw her crying and also the Judeans who came with her crying, everyone's crying. He was deeply moved. And also troubled. Notice that. Yeshua is manifesting his humanity. He's deeply moved by their emotion. And he's also troubled. He said, where have you buried him? They said, Lord, come and see. Yeshua cried. Now everyone's crying. Yeshua identifies with our identity. See, the one who, who died is someone that Yeshua loved. When is Talmudim? We are precious in his sight. You know, in Psalms it says that he actually captures our, our tears and he stores them in a, in, a, in a leather bottle. Let's go forward here. So the Judeans there said, see how he loved him. And these are the very same Judeans who were just a few uh, verses earlier, were ready to stone him. See, when one dies in Israel, the whole nation mourns. Let's go forward here. Verse 37. But some of them said, he opened the blind man's eyes. Couldn't he have kept this one from dying? Going forward here. Yeshua again deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laying in front of the entrance. Yeshua said, take the stone away. Martha, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to Yeshua, but by now his body must smell, for it has been four days since he died. See, this is true. This is fact. This identifies with anyone who ever reads this scripture. From the point of this being lived out and the time that the Hurak HaKodesh came upon Yohanan and gave him the opportunity when he was in prison to write the good news of John, the testimony. Let's go forward here. Verse 40, Yeshua said to her, didn't I tell you? That if you keep trusting, you will see the glory of God. So they removed the stone 
Yeshua looked upward and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I myself know that you always hear me, but I say this because of the crowd standing around. This was not just for Martha and Miriam to hear and his 12 apostles, Shalakim, those disciples to hear, but for those non-believing Judeans to hear. The ones that just a few verses earlier were in the process of wanting to find him so they could stone him. Let's go forward here. I know that you always hear me, but I say this because of the crowd standing around so that they may believe that you, you have sent me. Having said this, he shouted, Elazar, come out. The man who had been dead came out and his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and his face covered with a cloth. Yeshua said to them, unwrap him, let him go. And at this, many of the Judeans who had come to visit Miriam and had seen what Yeshua had done, now trusted in him. Trusted him as being what? The promised Messiah. And so now as we go a little bit deeper here, we must fully realize this as we focus on verse 39. Eliezer, Eleazar had been already dead in the tomb for what? For four days. It had already begun, his body had already began to decay. Yeshua also raised others from the dead. Remember Yair's daughter in Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 42? That's Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 42, and also 49 through 56. We do not have the time for us to read those scriptures today, but it's for you disciples of Messiah to read these verses so it will build up your trust and faith in Yeshua proclaiming that he is, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now let us go forward here. And also the son of the widow of Naim. Remember in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 17. But the Tanakh reports that Elijah and Elisha had raised people from the dead. And where is this found? But in 1 Kings 17, verses 17 through 24. That's 1 Kings 17. 17 through 24, and also 2 Kings 4, 17 through 37. And these are for you disciples. See, as we, as we study God's word and we place it into our heart, we get confirmation of who God is and who, how the prophets declare that to look forward to the promised Mashiach Messiah. So indeed today, doctors have the ability to bring some people who have been clinically dead for many minutes or perhaps hours to resuscitate them back to life. But nowhere in the biblical or secular history is there an instance of anyone being medically dead for up to four days and for that person be brought back to life. Nowhere you can search all of history, secular history, and you can search to the Tanakh. It doesn't record anyone. This is an astounding miracle. 
that Yeshua performed. And notice this, this is prior to his own death and his own resurrection. Remember those words Yeshua said, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's go forward here. To the point now of someone being dead up to four days, where the, there would be an odor being physically raised now from the dead. No one has ever experienced that. So this incident here now that is reported in such a way that no one misses the great significance. Even those non-believing Judeans that did not even believe that he was the Messiah. Let's go forward here. Yeshua has physically brought back to life a four days dead, cold, stinking corpse. We got to say it as it is. We have to be very, very clear. This is, has never happened before. And this miracle now crowns Yeshua's career prior to his own death and his own resurrection. It's like a picture because Messiah was only in the grave for what? For three days. And then he was resurrected. This is what produced a profound reaction among the populace, the Judeans. You know this? They never said that Lazarus never rose from the dead. It was undeniable. Even the high priest and anyone against Yeshua, the Romans, they could not say, well, this is just a myth. Because here was literally the man Lazarus living and alive. Going forward here. And so the authorities reported in the rest of this continues in the following chapter. And I encourage you now to read chapter 12 on your own time. Finish chapter 11 of John so you'll understand the full significance of all this. Blessed be the name of the Lord.